0: This is the Sunday sermon series for the second Sunday of Lent 2023. The epistle is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Brethren, even as you have learned from us how you ought to walk to please God, as indeed you are walking, we beseech and exhort you in the Lord Jesus to make even greater progress. For you know what precepts I have given to you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from immorality, that every one of you learn how to possess his vessel in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and overreach his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things, as we have told you before and have testified. For God has not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness in Christ Jesus our Lord a continuation of the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 through 9. At that time Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and was transfigured before them. And his face shone as the sun, and his garments became white as snow. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elias talking together with him. Then Peter addressed Jesus, saying, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you will, let us set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elias. As he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And on hearing it, the disciples fell on their faces and were exceedingly afraid. And Jesus came near and touched them and said to them, Arise! and do not be afraid. But lifting up their eyes they saw, No one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus cautioned them, saying, Tell the vision to no one, till the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Many people have been speaking for at least 50 years on the crisis in the church being tantamount to the crucifixion of the church caused sadly from within. And this analogy is exactly correct. We're going to look at that today. I just want you to know I'm not taking credit for it as we go deeper today. As everyone knows, the bride must follow the bridegroom. Jesus is the man of sorrows. Described in such grinding terms in his passion, as we read in Isaiah chapter 53, There is no beauty in him, no comeliness, and we have seen him, and there was no sightliness, that we should be desirous of him, despised and the most abject of man, men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with infirmity, And his look was as it were hidden and despised whereupon we esteemed him not do we believe the catholic church must follow him to such a state of ugliness in the human aspect of course never in the spotless divine aspect of the church but do we believe the catholic church's members may one day make her sound and look unrecognizable to her former self Listen again to those words, but this time thinking of the Catholic Church and the Feminine, not of Christ himself this time. There is no beauty in her, nor comeliness, and we have seen her, and there was no sightliness that we should be desirous of her. Despised and the most abject of spouses, a woman of sorrows and acquainted with infirmity, and her look was, as it were, hidden and despised, whereupon we esteemed her not. That is the state of the Catholic Church right now. Do you love her like that? Or do you want to leave her because, at the human level, she is so ugly and unrecognizable? Now really, but hold on, how bad is it? You see, our current situation in the Church, that is different from when we had bishops and popes with moral failings. We currently live in a time when 95% of all bishops of the world reject the Catholic Church's teaching that outside the Church there is no salvation. Now, I don't mean they reject the Feeneyite interpretation of that. I mean most bishops of the world reject even the rather liberal and merciful understanding of outside the Church no salvation as espoused by people like Archbishop Lefebvre. And yes, there's probably a few Novus Ordoites listening thinking, did you just really say that? But yes, Lefebvre's view is much more liberal than Feeney, and I agree with Lefebvre. You can go research this, but it's very much like what Pope Pius IX taught on Outside the Church, No Salvation. Notice, he doesn't hold loopholes, but he understands the mercy of God and where this can reach those who are truly, invincibly ignorant, though they still have a much less chance of being saved. This is what Pope Pius IX said. By faith it is to be firmly held that outside the apostolic Roman Church, none can achieve salvation. This is the only ark of salvation, He who does not enter into it will perish in the flood. Nevertheless, equally certain is it to be held that those who suffer from invincible ignorance of the true religion are not, for this reason, guilty in the eyes of the Lord. So notice, invincible ignorance means you could not have known of Jesus in the Catholic Church. Didn't just say that they're saved, just that they have reduced culpability And as I've said on many blogs and podcasts, those who are not baptized or Catholics dying without the sacraments or without the faith, the only way they can be saved is still by grace, and normally the only extraordinary way of salvation, the ordinary way of salvation is the sacraments, the extraordinary way of salvation is the gift of perfect contrition, perfect sorrow for your sins on your deathbed. But I don't want to bank on that, as I recently wrote. I'd rather bank on supernatural faith, hope, and charity in our Lord Jesus Christ and have the seven sacraments in my life or at least um, confession, extreme unction, and um, the Eucharist on my deathbed. So what I just read you from Pope Pius IX, that's what I believe. But even that rather generous teaching of outside the church, no salvation, the exceptions to it in there, even that rather generous teaching is rejected by 95% of the world's bishops and cardinals. So think about that. Now, here's the funny thing. There are actually not just neocon Catholics, but even traditional Catholics out there that say, <laughs> unless you obey the very bishops who reject the teaching of no salvation outside the church, then you can't be saved. So I had to repeat that, but this is important. There are lots of traditional Catholics in this country, even many of my listeners, that say, if you disobey the bishops who reject the Catholic Church's official teaching of no salvation outside the church, then you can't be saved. I'm sure you see how ridiculous and contradictory that is. Look, a non-Catholic cannot hold the highest office in the Catholic Church. That is not a controversial opinion. I don't know how I ended up on the map of the Catholic Church as holding that as a controversial opinion. Every saint, pope, and doctor of the church, every confessor and virgin has always held that, at least up until 1950 and probably long beyond that. A Catholic a non-Catholic cannot hold the highest office in the church. That is not a controversial opinion. Now, some people might be getting squeamish in the sermon saying, okay, but who's Father Nick's to judge a bishop or hire as a heretic? Okay, now, not even me is going to, of course, say you should go take off someone's miter and throw it to the ground. Of course, you can't depose someone from his real or putative position, but here's the thing, folks. Neither do you need a canonical trial to recognize a heretic. That is the Catholic Church's perennial teaching. It goes all the way back to St. Paul. St. Paul wrote to Titus, A man that is a heretic, after the first and second admonition, avoid, knowing that he that is such a one is subverted and sinneth, being condemned by his own judgment. Titus 3, verses 10 to 11. Now some people say, uh, you know who, maybe he hasn't actually been admonished, Yes, we know from the dubia that you know who has been first time and second time, numerous time admonished for open heresy and overturning the Catholic Church. So St. Paul right there says, avoid a heretic regardless, well, this is my words now, but we're going to see how saints hold what I'm about to say, regardless of if he claims to be part of the hierarchy. Now, it doesn't mean you have to call out every heretic, but if you follow a heretic, whether that person is a bishop or a layman regardless of how big his hat is, you will go to hell. If you take your family to follow a heretic, you will go to hell. Same as if you followed, say, a Mormon bishop who claims to be a bishop. Now, I'm not doubting the validity of the new sacraments. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, I'm admitting Novus Ordo bishops are still bishops, But my, of course. But my point is that if you obey a heretic, you go to hell. Now, other people might get, be getting even more squeamish thinking, well, hold on, that also sounds Protestant, quoting St. Paul without context of you have the faith and the bishops don't? Is is that, that sounds like Protestantism. Um, yeah, well, it does sound Protestant to think an individual can judge another as a heretic. And that is true for small points of material heresy. But for full-blown manifest obstinate heresy, like we see in you-know-who, then no, we are obligated to avoid him. To prove to you that everything I'm saying that might sound a little controversial to some of you is actually Catholic, Here's St. Jerome's own commentary on that section I just read you on St. Paul. St. Jerome writes, Therefore, by himself the heretic is said to be condemned because the fornicator, adulterer, murderer, and those guilty of other misdeeds are driven out from the church by the priests. But heretics deliver the sentence upon themselves. Departing from the church by their own will, this departure is seen to be the condemnation by their own conscience. End quote. So let's summarize here. Yes, a material heretic on a small, ambiguous point, often hidden. Sometimes it comes out sideways. That is the type of person who needs a canonical trial to be ferreted out. But St. Jerome is here saying that your average Catholic can recognize a manifest or obstinate heretic in the hierarchy, and he must avoid following him. Okay, what does all this have to do with the gospel today? The gospel today is the transfiguration. Well, remember what I said at the beginning. The bride must follow the bridegroom in the crucifixion, but the church gives us the glory of the transfiguration to remind us of the beauty and radiance of Christ's divinity before it is marred and spit upon by human sin to the point he not only doesn't even look like God to humanize, he doesn't even look like a man, but a worm writhing in pain on that cross. The Romans called it the crucifixion dance, when the acid builds up in the legs and you start shaking on the cross. That is is the excruciating embarrassment our Lord went through. But the church may be giving us the transfiguration to remind us of what happens after the crucifixion of the church, the infiltration of the church from within. The church certainly gives us the transfiguration as the reminder of heaven to come after Calvary, already seen on earth in Mount Tabor. Up on this high mountain, Christ is transfigured before him, And his face shone as the sun, and his garments became white as snow. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elias talking together with him. And in the Latin there in verse 8, it is, Nisi solum jesum. No one except only Jesus. Nisi solum jesum. I want to look at two of those three words right now. Solum jesum, Jesus alone. That right there is the answer During this church crisis, perhaps the final church crisis, I don't know, feels like it. That right there, Jesus alone, is the answer to this church crisis. To look to Jesus alone and apostolic Catholicism, the faith given by Christ to those three apostles, those 12 apostles. And this is the reason I always speak of apostolic Catholicism. Because anyone who rejects the doctrine and liturgy of apostolic Catholicism, and that includes not just the traditional Latin mass, but the Armenian rite, the Greek Catholic divine liturgy, those who overturn the ancient way of worship, and not just tiny points of advanced Christological theology, but even, as we see from you-know-who, the rejection of the Ten Commandments, anybody telling you to reject the Ten Commandments need not be obeyed. That is not a controversial opinion. Even if the person saying that fronts as an important person in the church. And this is why St. Paul said in the same reading today that his teaching, St. Paul's teaching, comes directly from Christ. Listen again. For you know what precepts I have given to you by the Lord Jesus. You see, the one I call you-know-who, he's not just rejecting the traditional at Mass and making all these bishops across the country do that, as you probably see what's happening. He is promoting the James Martinson and he's even told married people that they can do, we'll call it, a onanism that is barrier-based during the Zika outbreak. Now, why didn't you hear about this? You probably did. But if you did and you forgot, then you forgot either because you don't love the church enough to care or you're interested in your own self-promotion to look obedient to you-know-who by twisting his heresy so they look barely acceptable or more than likely, and this is my most charitable interpretation of why so many of you traditional Catholics don't know that, again, he told Mary people they can do onanism that's barrier-based during the Zika outbreak, is because you just forgot, simply because that man says a new manifest heresy every week, and we live in a fast news cycle. Yes, he's literally denied every aspect of the creed, including the ever-Virgin ever Mary, so we're not just talking little liturgical debates. That man, you know who, has denied nearly every one of the Ten Commandments. These are the Ten Commandments we have to follow to be saved. As we heard in the first reading, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from immorality, that every one of you learn how to possess his vessel in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So, following someone telling you to overturn the Ten Commandments you're not just going to get a pass because you didn't understand obedience the right way. That will lead you to hell. That's why I'm making a podcast like this, despite the risks. I'm also going to quote you St. Isidore so you know that everything I say to you is Catholic. St. Isidore wrote in his Sensiarium Book 2, Chapter 39, about the Catholic hierarchy. He wrote this centuries ago, quote, "...the rulers, therefore, are to be judged by God, and by no means are to be judged by their subjects." But if the rector, that's the leader, strays from the faith, then he is to be accused by his subjects. But for objectionable moral behavior, he is more to be tolerated rather than to be segregated from the people, end quote. So notice here that heresy in the hierarchy is worse than bad morals. And the heretic in the hierarchy can be judged by his subjects, his underlings, if that heresy is obvious and manifest. This is the Catholic Church's teaching. Okay, you think we're there yet? (laughs) If you say, no, we're not really sure, then you're denying Christ for the sake of a false unity with 99% of the normie Catholics across the world, and your salvation is in danger if you are studying what is actually happening in the Catholic Church. Now, if the visibility of the Catholic Church is in eclipse, and think about that term eclipse, that the Church is there, but invisible temporarily, at least at the human level, the hierarchy, leading us. Again, I don't doubt the new sacraments. I don't doubt the bishops or bishops. But if the visibility of the church is an eclipse, because heaven warned us in the third secret of Fatima that we would see an apostasy of Catholics from the top down, that means from the hierarchy down to others, then we must keep our eyes on Jesus alone if we want to be saved. Again, people are going to say, oh, Jesus alone, talking about like that, about the hierarchy, that sounds like Martin Luther no, 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 no. Martin Luther rejected the entire Catholic magisterium. I am telling you to follow the entire Catholic magisterium and avoid following those who are publicly mocking it, even if they happen to be in the eternal city. We are in uncharted waters in church history that cannot be compared even to the Arian crisis at this point. If you want to be saved, the best way is to keep your eyes on Jesus alone by focusing them perfectly through him, via his ever-Virgin Mother Mary. And not only the best, but even the easiest way to do that is the daily rosary. As I've preached before, pray five decades a day if you only want purity of hands, but pray 15 decades a day for purity of mind. Five decades a day for purity of hands, 15 decades a day for purity of mind. This will help keep our eyes on Jesus alone and his apostles who transmitted that ancient faith accurately for 2,000 years. Because never have we had a point in church history until the past 50 to 100 years when 95% of all the world's bishops reject the Catholic Church's teaching that outside the church there is no salvation. And this probably is the third secret of Fatima. And you know, even a ex-Catholic, I think he's currently Mormon, go back to the Mormon topic, even an ex-Catholic like Glenn Beck recently said on a podcast, I don't know if you saw, it was a video on YouTube actually that has probably a million views by now and he was talking about his visit to the Vatican, how he saw there's good cardinals and bad cardinals, he saw Glenn Beck, non-Catholic, ex-Catholic, whatever he is, even Glenn Beck saw the tremendous spiritual warfare in the Catholic Church. And he, after studying the third secret of Fatima on this million view YouTube video, said the third secret of Fatima probably included a bad mass and a bad council. Can you believe that? Glenn Beck, on a recent video, said Fatima's third secret was most likely a bad mass and a bad council being warned of by Our Lady to us. People are studying this stuff, so so also should you. Okay, slight switch of topic, but it's actually the same topic. Notice today's first reading came from First Thessalonians, but I believe we are currently living under the person prophesied by the Apostle Paul in Second Thessalonians that is, quote, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so called God, little g God, or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. End quote. Okay, what happens if you obey that man of lawlessness who thinks he's taken the place of God in the temple of God to direct worship and overturn true worship? You go to hell. So be very careful about throwing around words like obedience against the very people who are holding to ancient liturgy and the full Ten Commandments of God, these Ten Commandments that are constantly trampled by that likely man of lawlessness. You know, there's an old Spanish proverb that says, Obedience is the servant of the faith, not of obedience obedience is the servant of the faith, not of obedience. Okay, what does that mean? It means about a dozen things, but one of those 12 things is that the hierarchy is there to keep the faith and the liturgy of all time, not destroy it. And so there's no requirement to obey someone who's destroying the faith, even if he's not been removed by an imperfect council or the conclave wasn't studied hard enough or whatever. You must get your family to heaven without excuses, a pretext to human obedience when we are called at this unique chapter of church history, to divine obedience, Jesus alone. How in the world is this controversial at all when the mockery of the Catholic faith from the top down has become this unveiled and this obvious? Why? Because the Catholic world is currently under the spell of that man of lawlessness. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 reads again, let no one deceive you in any way, "...for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God." Who do you think that is? No, thank you, I don't want him. I will keep my eyes on Jesus alone as the church undergoes her crucifixion, so that I may rise with Jesus and all his saints. Please God, if I be forgiven all my sins." I will listen to and read all the saints before that bad mass and bad counsel, as Glenn Beck called them. Again, probably in reference to something very real in a hidden third secret of Fatima. Obedience to the man of lawlessness is not only not debatable, it will lead you to hell. Keep your eyes on Jesus alone and the apostolic faith of Catholicism if you want to be saved. For God the Father says today, this is my beloved Son, In whom I am well pleased, hear him. And then the gospel continues, And on hearing it, the disciples fell on their faces and were exceedingly afraid. And Jesus came near and touched them and said to them, Arise and do not be afraid. But lifting up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus cautioned them, saying, Tell the vision to no one till the Son of Man has risen from the dead. My friends, keep the faith. I believe relief is on the way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.